Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. Today I'm sharing the audio version of a webinar that I put on, which was a crash course in brewery finances. So the idea here is to give you a good working knowledge of your brewery finances so you can track, measure, monitor, and improve financial performance in your business. Here at Craft Brewery Financial Training, we believe in the sanctity of the beer and the sanctity of the numbers. So in today's podcast, we'll help you with the numbers. We're going to cover what brewery financial statements should look like, talk about chart of accounts, best practices, and of course, we'll review some key financial metrics for your brewery. So for now, please enjoy the audio version of this webinar on Brewery Finance's Crash Course. This is Craft Brewery Finance, and this is the Crash Course in Brewery Finances. And for course one, what we're going to talk about is using financial reports to really monitor and improve your results. Uh, So I'm a big fan of using financial information, not just to report what's happened so we can figure out how did we do, but really to look forward and ultimately to help kind of influence our financial results are going to be going forward. So using that information uh, to really shape what the future uh, financial results can look like. Uh, So in this course, you know, depending on where you're at in your uh, brewery trajectory, if you're a startup or planning, or if you've been around for a few years, uh, I think it's helpful just to get a sense and from talking with different brewery owners and operators to, to try to get an understanding as to what brewery financial statements should look like, and maybe more specifically what other breweries are, are doing as far as how they're setting up their reporting, uh, what they're looking at, uh, what kind of accounts, account structure, and key metrics and things of that nature. So we're going we're gonna to dig into some of that um, and show you some examples. I also think as owners and operators, it's Obviously, a good idea to have a good working knowledge of how finances work. It's not nece- unless you're already an accountant or a financing finance person. It's really not necessary to be an accountant, but to have a good understanding so that you can kind of look at the set of numbers, have a process in place so that you can get a a good sense as to whether the information is uh, looks right to you. So ultimately, uh, that's that's the goal of this course as well is to is to get you that good working knowledge. So my name is Kerry Shumway. I'm a CPA, a CFO, numbers guy. I love the numbers, love the spreadsheets. Uh, there's a lot going to be a lot of spreadsheets in the downloads. If there's anything that you want specifically that you're not finding, definitely email me and we'll get that for you. I love building spreadsheets. It's just who I am. So I spent about 15 years as a CFO for a, a beer distributor in New Hampshire. Territory was New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, Western Massachusetts. We sold craft beer big domestic beer, wine, non-alcohol and snacks. So a whole variety of uh, different products. So familiar with with the margins and operating structure and all that stuff. We're currently the partner, a partner and CFO for Wormtown Brewery. That's in Worcester, Massachusetts and founded craftbrewerryfinance.com. So if you're not familiar with that website, you can check it out, craftbrewerryfinance.com. There's a lot of free resources, the subscription, a number of other courses specifically, you know, one course on taproom, uh, how to boost taproom sales and profits, um, information on the ultimate guide to key brewery metrics, budgeting courses, and all sorts of things to do with brewery finance. So I, you know, I, my purpose in creating that site in this presentation in particular is really to share what I've learned, shorten the learning curve for you. So you can create a financially successful brewery and specifically here to, to set up good financial reporting so that you can understand how things are, are going in your brewery and then ultimately improve them. So some housekeeping items as as you've seen there. Uh, there's a chat area. So if you have questions during uh, the course of the presentation, definitely pop them in the chat. If you think of something after or just prefer to email me separately, that's fine. Carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com. 
If you'd like to set up a call, I'm happy to do that as well. Easiest way to do that, email me. We'll set up a mutually convenient time and typically do a 15 or 20 minute call. Just kind of get to know each other better. See how I can help you uh, answer any questions that you might have. As far as the resources and materials, as I mentioned, there's going to be a, I'm going to email this at the conclusion of, of this presentation. It'll be a link to a private page with a password so you can get in and you'll have access to all the downloads and the documents that'll be covered here. So again, if you have questions during it, feel free to, to pop it in the chat. I'm not great at multitasking in terms of trying to present and look, but I'll, I'll do my best to answer those questions. And if I don't get to it or get you an adequate answer, I'll get it to you after. So as far as the course overview, again, today we're going to do the financial statements today using these reports, you know, how to build these reports. Uh, the next session, we're going to talk about financial forecasting, specifically how to project current and future profitability. In the third course, we're going to look at, you know, dig into cash flow, reporting tools. Um, cash flow is a big hot button for me personally, and I do think for the industry as a whole is a common misconception that growth, and I hear this all the time, that breweries are growing like crazy and they have no cash. Um, it's remarkable how expensive growth is, and it's remarkably important to really plan, understand, monitor your cash flow. So that, that's probably going to be my personal favorite right there. Um, and then lastly, we'll finish up with brewery financing. I think relatedly, this is really about creating a financing plan so that you've got the cash, you've got the capital when you need it. And that might mean keeping up with growth, expanding, buying new equipment. Um, it might mean having working capital. Something happens unexpectedly. The death knell for, for businesses and for breweries is typically you run out of cash. And with a good financing plan in place, that's much less likely to happen. Or, or, if, it's, or if you're going to have a problem, you'll have a better visibility to see it coming. I think, I think each of these will be very useful and uh, Again, if there's anything, I got a few specific questions from folks that I'm going to um, layer into these presentations. Uh, but again, if there's anything else uh, that you'd like to see covered, just uh, let me know. So again, the goal of the course is really to show you how to set up your reporting, uh, what other breweries reporting looks like. So ultimately, you can use these to measure and increase your financial results. And again, financial reporting kind of has a bad rap to some degree because most Often what I see is that, you know, we'll get our financial reports uh, too late to really do anything about it. 10 to 15 days into the new month, you know, here we are on September 9th. You know, most folks don't have August financials done by the time we do. We're like, well, we're, we're halfway through September. So I like to use the financial information, not just to see what happened, but to try to create some real-time numbers so we can course correct you know, while, while we still have time to fix it. And I'm going to go through some of those uh, templates for you. So in this course overview, what we're going to cover are these items. First, we're going to look at examples of what your brewery financial reports should look like. We're going to talk about uh, the chart of accounts, basically the listing of all the transactions that you want to capture, what that structure can look like, what it should look like. Digging into really reporting your brewery functions separately. This is another area that I see that maybe could use some attention, which is if you have multiple lines of business, for example, if you have a tap room, maybe you're doing self-distribution, uh, maybe you have your production brewery is selling uh, via distributors wholesale. Those are really three separate businesses within your brewery business that should be accounted for separately, really so you know how you're doing in each one of them. You know, what's the relative profits, margins, sales, and so forth. If it gets all blended together, it kind of gets distorted. So for example, Taproom tends to be much more profitable than say a self-distribution business. But if, you're, if your chart of accounts isn't separating those activities, you're not really going to know, holy smokes, we're losing a lot of money on our self-distro. We might need to do something about that. You, there are ways around it, but having a good chart of accounts and structure will help with that. Next, we'll look at good process, good information. This is your, your classic garbage in, garbage out. I'll share a couple of Lessons learned, uh, things that I've seen in other businesses, certainly from other breweries. We'll talk about proper routines and reconciliations and what, what all that means and how it can help you get good information. And then lastly, I'll share some outsourcing options for your accounting and bookkeeping. This is something we're, we're looking at at our brewery 
Uh, I don't know if it's right for us, but I've learned a few few things on the way, and I can share those. You know, we tend to outsource certain functions. I know payroll is a is a is kind of a slam dunk. You know, you we don't really think much of that now. Outsourcing that and how much leverage we get from that. You know, we do the time and attendance. We put it in the system. We send it up to the big you know, payroll software in the sky, everybody gets the paychecks, the tax reporting is done, just makes a lot of sense. And it's relatively inexpensive. So, you know, it might be worth looking at outsourcing, bookkeeping, accounting, financial reporting to some degree or another. So I'll, I'll share some thoughts on that. All right. So first, we'll just start real basic. The brewery financial reports, they're the same as any business. We've got the big three here, our income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flows. The income statement does tend to get the most attention because it's the most exciting. You know, it's really what's happening. What do we got for sales? What do we got for profits? That tends to be, and not just for brewery owners and operators, but for any business, that tends to be where it begins and ends. So we're going to try to expand the lens a bit. If we talk about the income statement, the things that live there in addition to sales and profits are our cost of sales, you know, the cost of our beer cost of doing business, the margins. So basically the difference between the sales and the cost of, of those sales. Operating expenses, those are really the day-to-day salaries, leases, uh, utilities, things of that nature. So your income statement's going to have those items on it. Your balance sheet's basically going to list your assets, liabilities, and your equity or deficit. So assets, those are things that you own. Liabilities, those are things that you owe. And the equity or deficit's the difference between the two. So assets obviously would be things like your brewing equipment. Liabilities would be things like uh, loans that you owe to the bank, payables that you owe to your vendors. And again, equity or deficits, the difference between the two. If you're just starting out, your equity is essentially going to be what you put in for cash or cash equivalent type items into your brewery. If you've been operating for a while, that equity or deficit number is essentially going to be the sum total of all of your profit and loss that you've had in your business uh, since inception. So the balance sheet holds a lot of useful information. What I find is folks kind of get confused in terms of what things go on which statement, um, but that's really in a nutshell how it's going to separate. So if you think assets, liabilities, and equity, that's your balance sheet. Everything else is the income statement. The statement of cash flows is going to measure the, the flow of cash that comes into and goes out of your business. And unless you're a cash basis brewery, you're going to need a statement of cash flows because your income statement measures transactions. It really doesn't care about cash. I know that's, that is a surprise to some folks, not everybody, but really your income statement doesn't care if you get the money or not. It really doesn't. That's what the balance sheet is there for. And the statement of cash flows brings together the goods from the income statement and the balance sheet, and it shows you what's going on with your cash. So for our financial reports today, I'm going to focus exclusively on the income statement. And then in, in the next courses, we're going to look at balance sheet and cash flows. But that's just kind of a quick overview of what you're going to find on each. And one takeaway here is really just to look at, um, you know, beyond the income statement, if you're not already the balance sheet, it's the, it's probably the worst name, but it's it's a very important financial report to at least become familiar with. All right, Nicole has a question. Uh, thoughts on depreciation. Your monthly depreciation is five a month. And without it, we would be consistently showing profitability. What's the best depreciation calculation for a new brewer that's still paying off? Does profit or cash flow truly measure if a brewery is successful or not? Okay, good question. So I'll answer it a couple different ways. Um, first, you can add a separate calculation, which which we measure on a monthly basis. And in addition to profit and loss, we'll look at EBITDA. So that's an acronym it's uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So earnings is essentially your profit. So you want to look at profit before things like depreciation. Accountants like to call those uh, non-cash expenses. It's not entirely true because you did pay for that, right? So you paid something. You know, you paid 100 grand for your equipment, let's say, and you're depreciating it over a period of time. So it really is cash, but it was you may have paid the cash out a few years ago and you're still effectively expensing it. So that's what I would recommend looking at is having a calculation that shows your EBITDA, your banker, your any investors that are in your business now or future potential buyers are really going to want to know about EBITDA because that's essentially a modified version of cash flow. Um, that's one of the things we'll, we'll dig into a little bit later, but um, looking at that, 
I think is a useful way to do it. As far as the best depreciation calculation, you know, typically, so you, without getting too detailed, the tax, you, I, I like to be consistent with the tax calculation. So I guess the simplest way to answer is I, I like straight line depreciation, which is take your equipment, establish the, the length, the life, how long it's going to be useful for, the useful life, and then just do the math on that. So if, if we're thinking typically if you've got a brewing equipment, yeah, that could last 30 years, but you really want to look at it and say, all right, that equipment's probably going to be good for me for seven years. I paid 70000 I'm going to I'm going to depreciate it straight line. So it gets a little more detailed. I wouldn't worry too, too much about that, but I would dig into the EBITDA. Um, Amy's asking, our accountant figures appreciation annually and we make a journal entry annually. Should it be more often? I think it really depends. I would I'd say the answer is probably yes if it's material and it's easy enough just to take that annual depreciate, depreciation amount divided by 12 and bump it in as a recurring journal entry in your monthly financial statements so that you can see it. So I, I would recommend doing that. Typically, so there's a couple ways to go. If your accountant's doing it now, you can send them projected capital expenses that you're stuff that you're going to buy. And they can give you an estimated new depreciation amount for the new year. So if they booked your depreciation for 2018, um, you can take 2018 divide it by 12 and call that your monthly depreciation expense for 2019. But a more accurate way to do it would be to say, all right, well, we know we're going to buy, you know, X amount of new capital equipment and they could, they should be able to give you an estimated depreciation expense. Uh, So yeah, I would, I would definitely look at that. I think it just gives you a clearer picture as to what's going on. So here is an example of just a simple income statement. And the reason I'm going to start with this is I think it's really important to keep it simple. You know, financial statements can get very complicated very fast. And when we do that, we tend to lose, we lose sight of really what's important. You know, what we want to have is a set of financials that we're going to look at on a regular basis, a set of financials that we can understand and that we can compare to what our goals are for a given period of time. So this is a essentially a five-line P&L. If you don't have one, it, you know, give it a try and it's, you know, it's easy to look at. I want to show you some variations on this. But really, I, I see very few companies doing this because we do tend to get lost. We, we want all the detail. But really starting here is helpful. It gives you your, your summary items on your income statement, sales, cost of sales, and your gross profit, operating expense, and ultimately your net income. And one of the things I like to use these scorecards for is essentially to say, if we're going to set a goal, we want to have a way to measure against that goal that's relatively easy to see. And if we're going to share this information, you know, maybe it's just with ownership, with top management, you know, maybe you're, we, we've done open book management. Maybe you're going to share it with everybody. Uh, to keep it simple, understandable is really helpful. So this is, this is generally where I would start. I uh, do a five-line P&L. Kind of taking that idea and turning that five-line P&L into more of a scorecard you can do something like this. Now, this is a taproom scorecard um, in this example. We've got our same five lines down the left-hand side, sales through our net income. Across the top, our income statement's going to measure, purpose of an income statement, it measures stuff for a period of time, or transactions for a period of time uh, versus, uh, well, let's stick with, with income statements. So it's over a period of time. So in this example, we're looking at kind of three points in time. We want to look at what we did last year. So in this case, actual June LY, that means actual June of last year. And then we want to look at June of this year, June TY goal. That's what we are essentially budgeting. And then the middle section that's kind of bracketed there is our trend. So this is what I don't see a lot of this is where in a given period of time, we want to have a real live income statement. So we can see how we're doing, not just on June, not just on July 20th, when you get the numbers for June, but on June 1st, June 10th, June 15th, to see where you're trending. So in this example of last June, we had sales of hundred grand, and our goal for this year is 115. We can see right away how we're trending. So that middle section, you know, we're trending towards 105. Our net income for last year was 35,000 for the month. And our goal is 46. Again, we can see where we're trending. To accomplish this, we need to 
think a little bit creatively, most financial reporting would tell you, well, you, you can't do this because you have your accruals and you got a book payroll and you like, what about that depreciation? You know, all this, it's like, okay, let's settle down and look at what's really important. There's a lot of things that we can get very good estimates on. Uh, we can get real numbers, we can get estimates. Um, and I think the payoff, the trade-off is really the real-time information that shows us how we're doing. So for example, sales, if I want to know my trend for the current month, in the example of a taproom, I should be able to run that out of my point of sale system pretty easy. We have an automated email that comes out every day. I know every day how we're doing. Our cost of sales and gross profits. And I've got a pretty good sense as to what our profitability is on each of our packages and brands. So I know I can I know within a certain degree of accuracy what, what that percentage is going to look like. Operating expenses, yeah, there can be some fluctuation, but generally speaking, you know what your big chunks are. You know payroll generally, you know, how many people you got, how many hours they're working, what you're paying, you know, your lease expense, you know, your big chunks and where you don't know exactly, you can estimate. And that's where I think it's, this can be very useful. Um, and again, the, the payoff is that you can see the information as it's happening and you can make adjustments course correct uh, during the month. As you expand the income statement, and again, these will be in the download so you can see more details. You really just kind of want to think about what, how do you want to present the information? So what you'll have is your different categories, sales, cost of sales, and gross profit, otherwise known as your margin. In this example, we're breaking out uh, different packages of beer. So we're going to go keg beer. We want to look at it in cans and bottles. And as a general rule for every sales line item that we have, we want to have a, a corresponding cost of sales. And that way we can figure out the margins for each of those categories. So here you'll need to just decide how detailed you want to be. Uh, but this is one example of how you can track uh, that information on your income statement. There's other ways to do it. Brewery software is generally very good at getting detailed margin analysis for your brands and packages. So you don't even necessarily need this level of detail. It really just depends on what you want to see in your income statement. And then dr uh, drilling down. Continuing on the income statement, we'll have the operating expenses. Uh, I like to put them in chunks and groups like this. So here we have payroll, occupancy and equipment, general and administrative, and then your then your total. So each under each one, and again, this is summarized. Uh, the chart of accounts that we're going to show in a bit is going to have all the all the nitty gritty accounts. But this is just kind of a way to chunk it down. Amy asks, are, "Am I familiar with Obeer uh, to recommend specific reports?" I'm going to give you an answer you might not like, but we just switched from OBR because it was driving me insane. Um, you know, I found the support really challenging. You know, as an ERP system, I really like the fact that it's all under one roof. So anyway, we switched to Ecos, uh, and I, I find their reporting, their functionality, much, much, much easier to use. Uh, so for orchestrated beer, you know, they've got their template reports, I think, are fine. You know, I when we first set up with them, they, you know, we we kind of worked in the chart of accounts, and that's really what we're going to get into next, and that's going to dictate what your re reports are going to look like. But I think generally speaking, Obeer's, you know, off-the-shelf type reporting works reasonably well as far as the, you know, I think it's very solid. So any information that you put in from a production standpoint. Again, being an ERP system, it's going to get into the right buckets. So I don't know that that answers your question, but I think their stock reports are, are generally fine for uh, P&L and balance sheet. Their cash flow, I couldn't get it to work real well. If you can get some support, unfortunately, we were not able to really get any help. Uh, they could probably guide you through it. Yes, I know cash flow reporting stinks. Yeah, I found quite a bit about it kind of kind of stunk, but there's there's some redeeming qualities. Another question, can you comment on the best practices, including expenses and cost of goods sold versus operating expenses? Some seem to just focus on variable and fixed, while other, others allocate all costs to COGS and OP expenses. So I'll give a quick answer to this, and then I'm going to provide more detail. I think what I'll do is put it, because it's a longer answer. Here's the short answer, is, you know, brewery accounting is, is essentially small manufacturing accounting. So we want to look at what those uh, best practices are. And essentially for our cost of goods sold, what we want to include are the big three. We want direct labor, do we want direct material, and we want overhead costs. Direct labor 
is pretty straightforward. That's, you know, anyone who's touched, let's in the, in the case of, of brewing, really anyone who's involved in making the product. So it's our brewers, seller people, things of that nature. That's direct labor. Direct material is anything that's going to go into the beer. So obviously that would be your raw materials, hops and grain, and, and obviously the packaging materials, water and so forth. Overhead is really where it does kind of get involved. So you can do you can do simple overhead allocations, or you can do more complex, more activity-based costing. You know, it really depends on how much time you want to spend and how material you think it is to allocate the overhead. You can do simple allocations like a square footage allocation. So for example, if you've got 5,000 square foot building, 4,000 is brewery, 1,000 is taproom. You can allocate your overhead expenses, overhead meaning, you know, lease, uh, utilities, things of that nature. You can allocate it based on square footage. So in that example, you know, 80% would go towards your cost of goods sold. So again, try to, I'll get a longer answer. I have a couple of posts and some information, um, but yes, okay, so the so the related question is some folks are brewing one day and shipping the next for sure. With the smaller breweries and startups, folks are going to wear a lot of hats. So there you just have to figure out, all right, how much, how do I want to track this? What we've done is we've had folks uh, in our time clock system, they can punch into different departments. So if somebody's, for example, we've got, uh, let's see, it's a, a guy working in the cellar, but he'll also work in a tap room. So he'll punch in, punch uh depending on the department he's actually clocking hours for, and that will do the allocations for us. So good question. I know that's that's something that's uh, been a hot topic, and people definitely want to know more about it, and uh, I'll, I'll put some more resources on that private page. A couple of uh, other ideas for you relative to financial reports. This this makes uh, the financial reporting side a little more digestible, is, is to continue that scorecard idea. So to take the financial data, say an income statement, and take components of that and and create a scorecard. So really what it does is allow you to kind of watch the most important numbers, share them if that's that's your intention, and then ultimately everybody can work to hit the goals. So for example, I want to show you a sales scorecard and a key metric scorecard. And these these are scorecards that we use as well and I've I've found pretty useful. So again if the idea is we want to drive financial results. You know, this fine this this whole idea of financial reporting, kind of looking at it, shifting it a little bit and saying, I want to use this to uh, I want to have value added here. I want to have a benefit. I want a result. Uh, so one way to do that is take the sales line and the income statement and kind of expand it using uh, the scorecard approach and a few key metrics. So down the left hand side, we've got a sales focused set of metrics, total sales and dollars, sales growth average ring or average spend per customer, total customer visits, and revenue per barrel. And again, this is taproom focused. You could certainly do this relative to your to your brewery and change up the metrics a bit. So that's across the top is similar to what we looked at in the in the previous scorecard where we've got a period of time. So I want to look at what did we do same month of last year? What's our goal for this month of this year? And where are we trending towards? Some folks, if this is something you would look to share with someone other than ownership or top management or whatever, and you're not comfortable using dollars and you just take that out. I think percentages work as well uh, or even better. So here's that example where we've, what did we do last month? It kind of sets the context and then what's our goal. Joel says, when you say average ring, is that actual number of humans or does the ring mean transaction? Great question. Um, it could mean either depending on what your point of sale system captures our system and i and i would guess maybe most systems really do it's per check so you could say average ring per check i think that's probably a more accurate description there but i would look to your point of sale system to see what it's able to tell you to do uh what it's able to report on but but probably average ring per check is more uh more accurate so again using the scorecard idea you know you're setting a goal in this case sales growth of 15 you know what you did last year because a lot of times we set these goals, people are like, where are you getting those numbers? You know, like, well, you know, let's, we're looking historically at what we've done and then we're trying to improve on it. And then like, well, how, how are we going to do that? And that's, that's the key question is how are you going to do it? So if you set a number goal, that's great, but got to have some plans, strategies, tactics in order to achieve it. So the sales growth, 
We want 15%. How are we going to get it? That's where the brainstorming comes in. You know, what are we going to do to try to drive that number? We want to try to increase that average ring per check. We want to try to bring in more customers. We want to try to get more revenue per barrel. There's all sorts of ways to do it. And I think the scorecard, what it does is it really is, it serves as a, a regular reminder. And that's what I like about regularly updating this and sharing this information is to say, all right, if you think about a sporting event, football game, baseball, you know, the scoreboard's constantly up. So you don't need to guess as to how you're doing. You, you can see it. And that's essentially what, what this is. And it serves as, again, good information to help create those those goals, strategies, tactics, whatever it is that you want to do to try to try to move those numbers. So that's a sales focused scorecard. Key metric scorecard, again, there's a there's a million. Um, oh, Joel asks, is there an industry standard for sales growth year over year? Um, I guess the short answer is no. You know, you can look if you're a member of the Brewers Association, they publish their annual, is it a production? So essentially what they'll do is they'll show how many barrels sold or produced. I can't remember which it is, but it's it's literally every independent craft brewer uh, or anyone who's a member is on there. And you can kind of get a sense. So if you say, well, you know, we're a 5,000 barrel brewery. Uh, let me look at the 5,000 barrel breweries that are out there and see how they're growing. And I'll tell you, it's all over the place. You know, generally speaking, you guys have heard this, but, you know, your smaller breweries are growing like crazy. Your bigger breweries are stagnant. Um, and then there's there's exceptions here and there. But I, I would look at that if you want to benchmark against, you know, size that, that may be useful. Definitely caution, you know, mar- markets are different. Brands are different. There's just so many differences. So I, I guess what I would start with is what do you need and why do you want to grow and what are your financial objectives? Um, so I would start with that first and then maybe look at, you know, those, those BA statistics for a, a brewery of your size and you kind of get a get a sense. So the uh, the metrics that I've got here, again, there's a half a dozen. These aren't necessarily the most important ones for you. They're just kind of examples. Um, but I think the concept is identify what is most important, quantify it, call it a key metric, and then put it on a scorecard. So here are some industry benchmarks, rules of thumb. Again, a big caution on these that you know it's it's a blend of a lot of different size breweries, a lot of different markets, geographies. So payroll as a percentage of sales, and this is a taproom metric, 20% or less of your total sales. So that you want payroll expense to be 20% or less of your total sales. A taproom manager salary, 50% or less of your monthly sales. Said differently, if your monthly sales are 100 grand, 50% or 50 grand is about where, where you'd peg your taproom manager salary. And again, you know your, your market's going to dictate that. Uh, the size of your tap room is going to dictate uh, dictate that, uh, et cetera. Employee turnover might be important uh, or hospitality business. So you tend to see higher turnover. So on average, they're about 70%. So if you have 10 employees, maybe you're going to turn seven of them, you know, tracking that if that's important to you. Sales per square foot is going to vary so much depending on what you're paying uh, for your rent. You know, I've seen them as low as uh, four or five bucks a foot, as high as 30 or 40 bucks a foot. So that's really going to vary. Amy's asking salary here includes any commissions and bonus or just base. So in this example, it would be all inclusive. So anything that shows up on a W-2. Gross margin, again, taproom, it's going to blend, depend on how much beer you're selling food. If it's all one or the others, obviously your your beer margins are going to be higher. Revenue per barrel, want to see this again, taproom, $1,000 per barrel or better. Um, and that's really just an efficiency metric of, you know, how you are monetizing that liquid that comes through. So here's an example of how you could take some metrics and simply put them on a scorecard. So same concept, identify your metrics down the side, payroll as a percentage of sales, et cetera, and then pick a point in time. So again, we're, we're sticking with that. We're looking at the actual June last year, we're looking at our goal for June this year, and then monitoring our trend. And here we can drop in that industry average, you know, just to kind of say, all right, well, let me put this in context. If, if my payroll as a percentage of sales is 18, 18 and a half, what's the industry average? So you can kind of kind of get a sense. But again, I think a trend historical uh, against what you've done is, is more important. So these numbers may or may not be anything that's meaningful or useful for your brewery. But I think, again, the concept of a key metric scorecard, putting it up there, regularly updating it involving whoever can make a difference in influencing that number 
uh, and keeping it simple uh, can ultimately help improve those financial results. And then just to reiterate, these are rules of thumb. And often I do find them interesting just distractions. I like them. I'm drawn to them, but I also know it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hang my hat on that. I just kind of want to know where do I stand relative to, and then I pull back and want to focus on what we're doing. So again, benchmark against yourself, measure your past performance, set a goal to improve on that. Okay, the chart of accounts. So what is the chart of accounts? This is a listing of all the things that you want to track and measure in your business. So the purpose of this listing is really gives you organization and structure for your financial reporting. And these, these accounts are the building blocks for your financial statement. So the level of detail is really going to depend on what you need to see. You know, try to identify what's necessary, what's need to know versus nice to know. And that can end up on your chart of accounts and how much time you want to spend recording the transactions. Because uh, if you've done accounts payable or you've seen, it's really easy to put stuff in the wrong category. And then you spend a lot of time trying to get it in the right bucket. And that is aggravating for anyone who looks at the, and it just, it's, it happens. So I think the, the takeaway here would be to keep your chart of accounts as simple as possible. No simpler. When you're unsure, should I add this or not? I would say don't add it. You know, keep the chart of accounts lean and mean. If you need more detail, that's really where your brewery software comes in. Um, I tend to to not like cluttering up the chart of accounts with a lot of nice to know stuff. Again, I think it just it creates more time and expense uh, than is than is necessary. So I'm going to show you um, some snippets from the chart of accounts, but I definitely recommend you know download the what's in on the uh, the page that I'm going to send you the link to, and you can compare uh, your chart of accounts to uh, this standard set. This is by no means uh, all-inclusive or the only way to do it, but it may serve as sort of a memory jogger for, for some of these things. All right, so one of the knocks on the chart of accounts is there's lots of numbers. Um, and you're like, what? If you're not a financial person, you're like, ah, that's just not something I want to look at. So, you know, what, QuickBooks gets a lot of knocks, and I'm not a big fan of it, but it, it tends to focus a lot more on the description of the account than the number. So having said that, we still need to have the number in there. It's it's a, a numbering scheme. It's a hierarchy so that we can organize all this information. And what you'll notice here, these tend to fall into a pattern where our revenue category or our sales um, is going to fall into, you'll tend to see the revenue or sales in this 4,000 or in this case, 40,000 numbering scheme. And the next set of numbers you'll see here, we have got a 0-01 and then below that a dash 02. Those are kind of your department codes. So in this in this example, the way we want to set up our chart of accounts to differentiate between our different business units, revenue for the brewery, in this case, this will be our production brewery that we're going to sell the wholesale. And below that, revenue for retail, which is our tap room, have the different numbering schemes so that you can, when you set them up separately in your chart of accounts, it's a lot easier to report on them in your financial statements that way. So it's something to consider, even if you only have tap room now to start and you're thinking of adding self-distro, having that numbering scheme can be helpful. If you're not currently selling distributors, but you may, again, having that numbering scheme can help keep everything separate. Um, and Nicole is asking, I'd be interested in hearing more about integration tools and tips with Ecos and your accounting software. Uh, I can tell you quickly, I mean, right now, Ecos is integrates pretty seamlessly with QuickBooks. So I, I did just kind of say it's not my favorite, but it does work. I mean, it's it suffices. It does what we need it to do. Uh, my personal favorite, I like Sage Mass 200. I think that's a much more robust GL and accounting package. They don't currently integrate with that. We're, we're just kind of biding our time on that. They have, I think, one other uh, GL and accounting package. But I would say, you know, QuickBooks works. Uh, you know, we're a decent-sized brewery. You know, 30,000 barrels in north. So it's, you know, I haven't found a place where it breaks in that sense. So, so that's, that's kind of my, my two cents on that, but it integrates pretty well. So, as I said earlier, you know, for your, for each revenue item that you have, each sales item, you want to have a corresponding cost of goods sold. Don't have to, uh, but I think it's helpful too, so that you can see uh, what your margins are for each of those different categories. So, packaged beer, keg beer, etc. And then you're you're getting into your your more detailed. Here's your your operating expenses, you know, charity donations all the way through, you know, utilities, travel, etc. So again, you know, 
use the download as an example compared to what you already have. See if there's anything you might want to add in here. I'd definitely consider that numbering scheme. Here you can see 00. So we have, for example, our charity 60015-0000 would be more like an overhead category. It's something we're going to may need to allocate. So the question, do you have different cost of goods sold by product, porter versus ale? So uh, yeah, you know what I would do for that? That's really where I would turn to your brewery software because each, so basically the way it would work is for every every type of beer that you make is going to have a bill of materials. Um, and essentially the bill of materials is the recipe. Essentially the bill of materials is everything that's going to go into making that particular package. So if you've got a porter that you put in bottles, that's got one cost structure. A porter that you put in cans has got another, and kegs has got a third because they each have just different packaging cost components. So you'll definitely have different cogs by product. Don't think, unless you have a very small brand portfolio, that you necessarily want to create chart of accounts for that. You know, I would the the lowest level I would probably go to is is what we showed here, which is I'd say I want to know what my keg beer, I want to know my can beer. And I, know, and I want to know my bottle beer is in total. And you don't even have to have that level of detail. Uh, but I would turn to your brewery software for those things. Uh, Ecos has has pretty good reporting on that. Obeer, Obeer does too. You know, they've got, they've got good information on that, some margin reporting. Uh, so you can really see, you know, what is my, you know, what am I doing on that, on that porter in cans versus, you know, there can be very big differences between uh, your margins on those different packages. So certainly looking to to build out some reporting on those is, is helpful uh you recommend putting labor and tank time or rent on your bill of materials is this something oh something you're concerned i think if it's uh if you think it's material i would say yes i think this is where you have to kind of make a decision as to how you're going to estimate that how often you're going to update it i don't think there's anything wrong with doing it because essentially what you're doing is just shifting from operating expenses to cost of goods sold. You're really just trying to get a better sense as to what that beer costs to make. So I would recommend it only to the extent that you're, you you can put the time and energy into getting the number reasonably correct and then probably making a commitment to update it periodically um, and then educating folks that are looking at it, how you've done that allocation. Um, do I recommend discounts as a separate cost of goods sold line? So discounts, uh, discounts to wholesalers is that or discounts i think the short answer is oh discounts to taproom sales yeah as cogs you know it's one or the other it's really you know typically would be net sales so i would say gross sales minus discounts as your net sales i'd probably put it up there you can certainly put it in your in your cost of goods hold line as well it really makes no difference in terms of the margin calculation you're kind of going to get to the same place but I, i've typically seen that uh more in this in the sales section so you'd, you'd show it as a uh, reduction to your gross sales. So just wrapping up on the chart of accounts, again, use the use the sample downloads, compare it, add, subtract, uh, consider those those codes. Doesn't necessarily have to be a two-digit code, but something that's going to differentiate your business units um, and use those numbers to kind of keep things organized. But again, don't, go to, don't get overwhelmed with the numbers. Focus on the descriptions. Focus on what you need uh, to see in terms of your financial reporting. Uh, I want to talk a bit about financial process, super important. Um, I think everybody knows this, and it's just a matter of, of dedicating time and resources to getting it right. Uh, good process equals good numbers. Uh, so it's really these components, hiring the right person, you know, that's obvious, but looking for certain skill sets. And I would boil it down to, for lack of a better word, looking for someone with that accounting brain. It's it's helpful. Uh, I'm I'm biased in terms of CPAs. I know those are those folks are not inexpensive. Maybe folks that have worked in a CPA firm, uh, staff that just understand fundamentally how accounting works, and it's very helpful. Particularly, you know, I've worked with a lot of folks that will do accounts payable. Uh, they don't they don't really know what they're do- you know they they know they have a bill and they don't have to type it into this box and that box and then they hit enter and then something goes wrong. We don't really know what happens. So. Having an accounting brain to understand, okay, I am entering an accounts payable. Here's what's happening in the accounting system so that if something goes wrong, I can go back and troubleshoot it. Or so that if it gets misposted, okay, I see how I did that wrong. Um, so I think hiring the right person looking for someone that fundamentally understands accounting is uh, is kind of obvious, but maybe maybe overlooked sometimes, that, that natural curiosity. Training, 
I think on training in terms of understanding the business, super helpful. So they can combine that knowledge of the business with their knowledge of accounting. Because we, we tend to forget that side of it too. We, we hire an accounting person and put them up in the office and throw a stack of paper in front of them and they never really see. So really getting getting them cross-trained and understanding what the business is really helps uh, to, to really make those numbers. You know, you, you really know they get a better chance to see if they're uh, they're doing things right. You know, following a process and routine essentially just means, you know, get a process, have a checklist. Um, and I've got one I'm going to share with you next that that I've used. Uh, so following that uh, diligently to make sure that we get good outcomes. Audits and cross-checks really just means you need to watch. So that's part of what this course is about is to give you a, a fighting chance to understand what you should be seeing, what you should be looking for, how to know if something's going wrong. It takes time, not going to happen right away. Just like anything, you stick with it and, and it'll get easier. So really audits and cross-checks is you, you have to have owners, operators, has to have um, an eye on what numbers are coming out. And then lastly, even to get you up to speed, outside CPAs and bankers can be a big help for this. Outside CPAs basically provide, let's say, four levels of service. If they're doing a tax return for you, they're really not going to look. I mean, if something's blatantly obvious, they're going to probably bring it up. They're doing a compilation. That means they're basically just taking your numbers, putting them into the form of a financial statement. Probably not going to find much there either. A review or an audit engagement is much more detailed. If you have the resources to, and you're at a point where you think uh, feel like that's important, that's a great way to get a lot more credibility on your numbers, a lot more comfort around them. Um, and obviously, CPAs look at a lot of financials, so you know they know what to look for, they know what tests to run, analytical procedures, and so forth. Bankers, I think this is an overlooked resource. We tend to look at the banker as I need money. How do I get the money? How do I get this person to go away and give me the money? Um, but they can be a very good uh, business resource for you. They, again, have looked at a lot of different businesses, a lot of different financial statements, um, and they can help. And, you know, it's, and they're trying to get your business. So oftentimes, you know, it's it's worth working with them and saying, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think about these? Finances? So they can look at them and, you know, ask a lot of good questions. So I, I would consider any of those sources, uh, CPAs, generally more expensive, the bankers generally not. But those are good in terms of, of helping to audit and cross-check. So a financial process, you know, this is relatively straightforward. Just a checklist, what to do, when to do it, who is responsible, and check it when it's done. That's all. This can be on a computer somewhere. It can be a checklist hanging on a clipboard. But basically, it's just a list of the things that you want to do in your financial process to make sure your numbers are going to be good. And there's a fair amount of things on here, but I'll share just one thing that I think is super important for you to be doing, hopefully on a monthly basis, definitely on an annual basis, quarterly is fine too, which is essentially reconciling your balance sheet. You know, we talk about reconciling the bank statements, got to do that. Pretty much everybody knows to do that, but reconciling the accounts on your balance sheet. This is where a lot of things can go wrong between your assets and your liabilities. So as an example, let's say you're looking at your balance sheet and you've got $50,000 worth of kegs that are listed there. Uh, a reconciliation essentially says, show me where those kegs are, you know, substantiate that number. And usually that'll mean a list of, okay, well, here's all my kegs and here's where they're where they are at. You know, there's at this distributor and that distributor. And let's say you've got a thousand kegs, you're supposed to have a thousand kegs, $50,000. Really the list should say, where are those thousand kegs? And more often than not, what happens is, you know, we, we do the the count, we look in the warehouse, we look in the brewery, uh, we pull our distributors, we look in the tap room, and we can only find 400 kegs. Like, where are those other kegs? So that's the problem is now we've got 600 kegs, we don't know where they are. And based on, you know, what we paid for them, we know we paid for them because there were bills and so forth. You know, 600 kegs in that example, that's $30,000. So stuff like that happens, it gets stuck on the balance sheet. So a balance sheet reconciliation on a monthly or quarterly basis is best, and that'll help uh, make sure your numbers are accurate and head off any nasty surprises there. So I'll finish up with outsourcing options here. As I talked about earlier, you know we outsource payroll, uh, most of us do, and it's from an ROI perspective, I, it's kind of a no-brainer. Outsourcing bookkeeping may or may not uh, be a no-brainer for you. So you want to look at all right, how how does this work? 
What does it cost? What are the pros and cons? So certainly you can bring somebody in. They can be your bookkeeper. Um, you've got them, you know, full, full-time, part-time, whatever it is. So you really just want to kind of say, all right, what are my needs? Can I bring somebody in or can I outsource this? One of the benefits, I think, of outsourcing, I'm not advocating for one or the other. I think it's just something to think about is um, sort of redundancy. If, you, if you're relatively small and you have one bookkeeper and they leave, you're like, oh, man, no, now I got to get somebody in and train them. Whereas if you're outsourcing, you, you've presumably got a team, somebody leaves within that organization, they've got someone that can back it up. So clearly those are questions that you'd want to ask of these. So these are three that I've talked to, that I know, um, that are brewery specific. So if it's something you're considering, even if you know you want to try it out, uh, the, you, can, you can talk to each of those folks. And there's a link there with a post that has um, contact information and more detail on the services that these folks provide. So maybe something to consider. So a question, how large in terms of gross revenue or barrels, do you see breweries making a decision to hire or outsource a dedicated accountant versus doing the accounting themselves? It's a good question. You know, it's, I think generally speaking, you're talking about the smaller breweries. Because there is sort of that fixed cost of once you get over that fixed cost, like how much work they're going to need to do, how much value they can bring to you. So, you know, like I said, we're a 30,000 barrel brewery. We've got essentially two people. We looked at outsourcing, not so much from a size standpoint, but really for me, it was more the, more the redundancy. Because you know, I was worried about people, people leave and retraining somebody is a pain. Um, so we're really right on the fence. We still do it internally. I think it makes more sense for us, uh, but I'd certainly like to look at outsourcing certain components of it. Um, I think that would make sense. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an all or nothing, and I'm not really sure it comes down to size. I think it's really just evaluating um, how you want to how you want to run that aspect of your brewery. So I think the takeaway is, you know, if it's something that seems interesting, talk to these guys. You may talk to them and say, "No, nah, that's not what I want to do." But I think it's just an option that maybe doesn't doesn't get considered a whole lot. But the direct answer to your question, yeah, I think most most of them are the smaller breweries. Okay, so to wrap up, we talked about the brewery financial reports and examples. Again, I think just getting what should my brewery financials look like is is helpful. Chart of accounts, the same deal. You know what type of accounts are on there? What's the structure? Process, super important. You know, use that routine again. If you only take away one thing reconcile your balance sheet. Don't ignore that thing because that is what happens. It's what most folks do. They just don't look at the balance sheet until it's too late. And then look at those outsourcing options to see if that's something that that might be helpful to get you, you know, take some of the heavy lifting off of uh, the bookkeeping function. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.